Like, is this the show, by the way? I, I feel like we, maybe we should introduce it. Yeah. Sort of feels an awful lot like the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist. I'm Todd Mack here with Joseph Dorowski, and each week we look at a great character and a great story. Today we're talking about Rapunzel from Disney's Tangled. Tangled was directed by Nathan Greeno and Byron Howard and released in 2010, and Rapunzel was voiced by Mandy Moore. Tangled has a 90% fresh rating on RottenTomatoes.com. It was nominated for the Best Animated Feature and Best Original Song in the Golden Globes and for an Original Song uh, Academy Award. No, uh, no awards. Uh, I, you know, won. I, um, I think it won best original song from the Golden Globes. I'd have to double check okay. though, <laughs> since I put that in. I'm guessing that would be for I've Got a Dream. Yes. Yeah. That was the song that was nominated for both the Golden Globe and the Academy Award. Is it really? I was sort of joking. Oh, wait, no. Which one did you say? I just assumed you were saying the right one. <laughs> I've Got a Dream. <laughs> uh, no, the, now I see the light. That's the one I meant to agree with that I thought you had said that you didn't say. Well, I've got a, uh, a dream is a fun song, but not the one that was nominated. It's certainly the one that gets stuck the most in my head. Let me just double check. Okay, it won. Uh, it did not win anything from the Golden Globe or the Academy Awards. It did win a Grammy Award for Best Song Written for Visual Media for I See the Light. I See the Light, okay. I did not know that was a specific Grammy Award, Best Song Written for Visual Media. All right, uh, I'll jump in here. All right, this film has kind of a long production history, uh, over a decade before its inception till its release. It was originally titled Rapunzel and uh, Unbraided, then just Rapunzel and finally Tangled. Uh, there was, I don't know if you want to say controversy, but a lot of discussion happened when it was changed to Tangled because it was a pretty obvious attempt to make sure that this was more marketable to boys. Uh, John Lasseter who was one of the executive producers on the film and uh, a big wig at Pixar and Disney, he said that they did change the name so that it would be appeal more to the four quadrants of marketing to, to girls, boys, men, and women. And in its, in its over a decade of pre-production, it had all sorts of variations from a very uh, traditional telling of, of the Brothers Grimm version. At one point, it was even said that there was a uh, an effort to have it start out in contemporary san francisco and then there'd be like a portal that sent someone back to a fairy tale land wow all sorts of this is something like a <laughs> like a reverse version of enchanted yes yeah, exactly. like i don't know if that that's that's you know uh seed of an idea became enchanted i don't know uh but yeah all sorts of uh twists and turns uh directors changed during that time uh but i think kind of like we said with Casablanca, that even though it had kind of an insane production and it flies in the face of the auteur theory that you need a singular vision from one individual to make a great work of art, this one lands as a pretty good work of art, even though it changed hands several times and had a lot of uh, cooks in the kitchen. I really, um, I've just enjoyed it. So I don't know what, I don't know what else to say about this. Uh, Rapunzel unbraided seems odd to me, but <laughs> probably Tangled would have seemed odd to me if that were the name of the thing. And obviously Disney's had some success sticking with that kind of, you know, theme with Frozen instead of the, I think it was called the Ice Queen originally, or something along those lines. Oh, yeah. Uh, My girls call it Rapunzel. Yeah. Rapunzel. Uh, this is probably, I would say, of all the works we've done, the one that 
is probably most widely familiar, even though everyone probably knows something of The Hobbit or knows something of, of Casablanca, uh, you know, maybe less of the specific comic book stories we're talking about. This is the one that probably I would guess the widest audience has, has actually seen. So we'll probably have the most people angry at us when it's over. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> For getting it all wrong. And you are welcome to send us comments. Uh, we'll have all that information at the tail end of the episode, uh, but we definitely appreciate any feedback that can be given. Uh, Todd, how did you come to this one? I was thinking about that question today, and I honestly cannot remember. It came out in 2010, and I'm trying to remember what I was doing in 2010. Um, I was right in the thick of my dissertation, and um, I'm sure we watched it at some point. Not in the theaters, for sure. It was long after it came out on DVD was when the first time I saw it. And I remember being just very pleasantly surprised. Um, I I don't have anything against animated films, but I am very rarely, if ever, really excited about an animated film when it comes out. I'm like, nah, whatever. And then it comes out, and then inevitably I'll watch something like Tangled or Frozen and go, wow, so good. So, and that's uh, that's the the thought that I had. I thought the humor was just surprisingly sharp and and just like really really funny, um, and the music was really good too. So I, I really uh, enjoyed this film and have enjoyed watching it. I've maybe seen it I don't know three or four times since. Yeah, I was in grad school when this came out as well, and I definitely remember that we rented it from Redbox at some point after it was out on DVD. I don't know how quickly after it was out on DVD. And I was watching it with my daughter, who would have been either two or depending on how late after it came out that we rented it, three. And my most distinct memory of when we first watched it with her was uh, there came a point where she disappeared for a couple minutes uh, when we were about halfway through the film. And she came back in with this weird grin on her face and she was holding a frying pan before behind <laughs> her back. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we just established right then and there that we will not hit anyone in the head with that's the frying a really, pan. It's a really important rule. The frying <laughs> yes. pan is one of the funniest uh, running gags in this film, I think. And it just I, I never tire of it. I think it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we do a quick synopsis of this one, I'm wondering if how familiar you are, Todd, with the, the Brothers Grimm version of Rapunzel, which obviously the Brothers Grimm, all of those are not original versions of any of the stories that, that they recorded. They, you know, they're coming down through folktale right. and, and word of mouth. But are you familiar at all with that version? Uh, of it? I'm sure I've heard it. It probably has to do with some dismemberment and... Uh, There's a blinding. That's blinding. the main. Yeah. <laughs> that, as, as is often the case with the Brothers Grimm versions of these um, fairy tales. I'm sure it's quite dark, probably uh, quite violent, and would teach our children a much better lesson than the one that we get in the film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so in that version, it uh, begins with a, a husband and wife, and the wife is pregnant, and she's having essentially pregnancy cravings for uh, Rapunzel, which is a kind of, uh, like, it's in the cabbage or lettuce family, this particular plant. <laughs> And some some translations uh, have it as rampion. Yes, uh, but it's essentially it's, it all begins with a wife's craving when she's pregnant, uh, and the only place where 
the husband knows that there is any is in the garden as so, of the witch. As so uh, many <laughs> as so many great stories begin, <laughs> the call, the to, call action to action happens is. with a pregnant woman's cravings. <laughs> yes. So the it's in uh, a so it's it, in a witch's garden. Yeah, and the husband climbs over the wall, gets it. Uh, depending on you know what version you're hearing, he he succeeds in getting it a few times, but he eventually gets caught by the witch, and she's going to kill him. And he begs for his life, explains that he has a pregnant wife, and she says, "Well, fine, I won't kill you if you give me your baby when it's born." <laughs> That's a great uh, and idea. Husband agrees. <laughs> yeah, brilliant bargain. Husband agrees. Baby is born, which claims the baby, uh, and then locks the baby away in a tower. And generally, from what I've seen, and, and the only version I ever actually read of it, I, the, the hair doesn't really have a magical quality uh, to it. It just grows out long. The uh, witch has locked her into a tall tower with no doors, uh, no stairs up. The only way to get up and down is through the hair, and it does have the famous, you know, uh, saying or or kind of pop culture idiom, I guess, of, of Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. And that's how she enters it. Eventually, a, a prince comes upon this tower. He, uh, at night, he or one day, he sees he's curious about it, and he sees uh, the, the witch, whose name is Gothel. It doesn't have Mother Gothel, but I, I can't remember what the other thing in front of Gothel was. But Gothel... I, I've read a, I've read a version that is Old Mother Gothel. Oh, Old Mother Gothel? Okay. Uh, he sees how she gets in, and at night, he says, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. He climbs up. He becomes friends with Rapunzel, uh, who's been forbidden from having any contact with the outside world. And then, shortly after these nighttime visits from the prince begin, she offhandedly mentions to Mother Gothel that her dress is getting tight. Because <laughs> 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 there's a baby growing inside of her. And Mother Gothel realizes that someone must have found her. Uh, she cuts Rapunzel's hair off and tricks the prince into, you know, throws the hair out when the prince calls and pulls the prince up. And when she, when the prince sees that it's Mother Gothel, either she throws him out or he falls out of the window and he lands in thorns and blinds himself. And... Uh, Mother Gothel has thrown Rapunzel out into the wild forest, and she's now living on her own out there. Eventually, uh, the prince hears Rapunzel singing a song to her newborn baby or twins in some versions, and recognizes Rapunzel. And when he goes to her, she she cries over him, and her tears give back his sight. And, wow. That's the short that, version. Yeah. That is... <laughs> <laughs> that's the again quote unquote original version, and there's all sorts of antecedents in other uh, you know mythologies or or folklore or, or fairy tales from other cultures of you know women with long hair living in towers and yeah. all these things. Can can I share a significant difference in the version I have actually at at my fingertips uh, right now? Absolutely, please do. So it was uh, the way that the witch finds out is. And I'm going to quote a paragraph or just a little bit. Uh, so the witch knew nothing of all this until once Rapunzel said to her unwittingly, Mother Gothel, how is it that you climb up here so slowly and the king's son is with me in a moment? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's less less subtle than the one that, that I had. Uh, I was familiar with where it's a complaint about the dress getting too tight. <laughs> <laughs> which, which really makes Rapunzel seem... Like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't let her know. <laughs> Your secret's safe with me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The Disney version, had they followed the, the original more closely, certainly would have been interesting. Quite different from what we have entangled. A lot of liberties taken. Um, Todd, do you want to give a quick version of the, the Disney tale? Uh, sure. So there's... Um, the starts with a voiceover narration by uh, some guy. And he says this is a story about a girl named Rapunzel. And then he talks about uh, there's a kingdom, 
and a king and a queen, and they have a baby. Uh, or the, 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 the queen is pregnant. She's going to have a baby. Uh, she gets very sick. The king sends the people out to find this magic flower, um, which will restore the mother to health. So they find the flower, and it uh, restores her to health, and her baby is born, and she has this long blonde hair that has uh, magical properties. Um, there's a woman whose name is Gothel, and she has been using the flower to, uh, to retain uh, youth. And so she's very, very old, but she looks um, young. And so with the flower gone, she goes to try to take a lock of the baby's hair. Um, she cuts the hair and it realizes that this will not work unless she has the baby with her. So she steals the baby, locks her up in a tower, and she has to stay there forever. And, uh, and then we sort of jump into the story when this uh, girl now, whose name is Rapunzel, is 18, about to turn 18 years old, and she's never left the tower and she desperately wants to leave and see these um, lights that she sees every year on her birthday, which are lanterns that the people in the kingdom let up into the air, sort of in hopes that someday their princess will return. Uh, there is uh, the guy who is giving the voiceover. His name is uh, Flynn Ryder, and he's sort of a swashbuckling rogue, and he has stolen a crown, and he stumbles uh, uh, across the tower and meets Rapunzel, and adventure ensues. How's that? Pretty good. Okay. So there's the quick version. Uh, again, I'm imagining more of our, our listeners are familiar with this this movie than the other media that we've done. But if, if you haven't seen that yet and that's interesting to you, feel free to uh, find uh, the links in our show notes about where you could purchase this. So you could also could... find any... Um... Uh, parent of small children. Parent of small it. children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that there's somebody. I um, I actually today I was I had on my list of things to do. I need to watch Tangled, and um, and so I told Betty like I really need to watch Tangled today before you know before the evening, and she um, and then the girls found out, and then they wanted to watch it with me, and so I came home and I couldn't find the disc, the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, um, uh, let's just say I wasn't at my best. <laughs> I was like kind of stressed out. I'm like, where <laughs> is Tangled? <laughs> Running around my house trying to find this DVD, pulling all the closets apart. And then I realized that I actually had a, a version on my computer. So we sat down and I had three kids sitting on my lap watching Tangled together. It was really um, memorable. But uh yeah, so if you've got friends that have kids, they probably have uh, Tangled. <laughs> All right. Um, hold on just a second. I am trying to find one thing real quick. This will be edited out. Don't keep this in, Andrew. You know, that goes really against the podcast method, as Todd knows. <laughs> We're live to tape, man. This all goes in. This is all good stuff. This is why people tune in. This is not live radio. We uh, we have the the beauty of a podcast is the ability to edit. Yeah, I can't find it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get in and talk a little bit more about this. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting about this film, Todd, is how different it is from many of the traditional 
Disney adaptations of fairy tales that we've had. And, you know, if you, if you look online, you'll see all sorts of discussion about whether or not Tangled is feminist and, you know, who has issues right. with what part of the story. And, you know, some praise it, some, some dislike it and loathe other aspects of it. Some, you know, praise what, the exact same thing that someone else is critiquing right. as being, anti, you know, yep, yep, yep. and it's all over. But there's some really, to me, clever things that the storytellers have done to tweak this story. I want to read a quote from an essay by Sandra J. Lindau. It's, it's called To Heck with the Village, Fantastic Heroines, Journey and Return. And it's in an essay collection called Heroines of Comic Books and Literature. And she's talking about some of the issues with uh, which feminists have have identified, not necessarily with Joseph Campbell's work, but you know, just something that's problematic about what he found when he was looking at the monomyth. You're familiar with The Hero's Journey, uh, which which outlines the traditional tale of heroism that we have in cultures all over the world sure. of someone who gets a call to adventure and you know goes out and you know generally follows the same same sequence. But you may have noticed, Todd, that it's it's basically the story of a male hero's journey. Right, sure. Uh, the the main role for women in that Campbell identified were as virgins, temptresses, goddesses, earth mothers, and crows. That's a quote <laughs> from the <laughs> from the essay. Uh, and it also says that young women, uh, we, even when you do look at close readings of early folk tales and fairy tales, young women did not hear the call to adventure and blithely leave their homes to seek their fortunes, but were driven out by extremes of drudgery, deprivation, neglect, and emotional and physical abuse. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the goal of the heroine's journey involved a made-over, upwardly mobile, better-dressed self finding a new home with less drudgery, uh, more love and acceptance, and for a while, at least, a happily ever after. And um, I read that, and I was thinking about Tangled, and it's, while she obviously doesn't have a great home life when she's Rapunzel is living alone in this tower, and Mother Gothel comes by every now and then to use her magical hair to stay young, that isn't what drives her out of the tower. Um, it's that she is curious, right. that she she's seeking knowledge. Um, she sees these lanterns and wants to understand where they're coming from. And when Mother Gothel says that she won't give her that knowledge, she finds a way. Um, and it's not that, you know, Flynn Rider comes and rescues her from the tower. It's that she captures Flynn Rider and says, you're going to lead me. You're going to be my guide because you understand that outside world better than I. But I want to go find this and you know how to get me there. Yeah. That's one of the subversions, I think, of, of the traditional female role in a lot of fairy tales that we see in this. And there's there's many others that I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the whole – I mean – it's there are obviously huge issues, uh, feminist issues going on with Disney films for you know a long time. In part uh, because they're following models of stories that have huge issues. Um, I think uh, I, I think somebody like Bruno Bettelheim, who t- also talks about fairy tales and and talks about the difference between sort of a, a traditional man's journey and a traditional women's journey um whether or not you agree with it um i've found that it's it's a little bit more nuanced and s- seems to reflect what's going on better than something like jung i mean so jung as you pointed out there are these like really objective roles for women. So you're a witch or you're a devil temptress or you're a saving uh, goddess. Or a virgin. Or a virgin. And um, and Bettelheim talks about how there are... Uh, the, the, in some ways, the fairy tales reflect um, these traditional... I don't even know how to say this. I'm going to get, I hope, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) 
there's no way to talk we'll about feedback. this. There's no way to talk about this with without like just feeling like you're gonna. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I'm treading on pretty thin ice. But Bettelheim talks about how a man's journey really is about um, it's about this exterior thing. It's about going out and being in society, um, and that a female's journey is very um, interior. It happens inside of her. And that we we see that reflected in you know people being locked in towers or uh, falling asleep for a long time and then waking up and um, and whether you agree with that or not as like the way that things should be, it certainly seems to reflect the way that things have been for a really long time and that and the way they are in a lot of the stories and the way that they are in a lot of stories. So um, anyway, I I don't even know I don't know where where I'm going with this except to say that. Um, I, uh, I, I, I like Rapunzel as a character. I like her arc, um, and I, I love her agency. And we've talked a lot uh, in this podcast up to now about different characters. And and one of the great things about great characters is that they have agency. They make their own decisions and they drive their own stories. And so that was what was so frustrating to me with, like, Ilsa and Casablanca is that she has no agency, and she's completely driven by the men in the story. And this story, Rapunzel makes her own decisions, and that's great. Yeah, she's it's it's her decision that leads the way, and she's the one that um, has to rescue Flynn Rider repeatedly, actually. Right. <laughs> um, so I guess in the story, uh, as you already said, like, Flynn Rider steals the the crown of the of the kingdom's lost princess the kingdom is obviously still in mourning and the king and queen are and still obsessed with this baby that was taken by mother gothel and when he's fleeing from the guards that's when he finds the tower and he ends up in there and um you know the the traditional role in a lot of these kinds of stories is that there's a damsel in distress that gets rescued by the prince and here we have a thief who immediately gets knocked out <laughs> by rapunzel and tied <laughs> up by her hair and again she's she makes demands of him she says i have something you want now this satchel whatever's in it that you want and i will not give it to you unless you help me find the information that i want which is what is going on with these lanterns that appear on my birthday which by the way if mother gothel had just never told her what her birthday was she might have avoided <laughs> I this think about entire that every single time journey. why doesn't mother gothel just tell her that she has a different birthday like really, because <laughs> uh, because Rapunzel feels like they're meant for her because they're on I her know. birthday. Like <laughs> I know now, that really was a huge a huge blunder in her whole in her whole nefarious plan. <laughs> but one thing I was going to say about what you're talking about with um, like Flynn arrives and she knocks him out with this frying pan. Um, I love the balance that they strike uh, with Rapunzel between this like innocent sort of scared, shy like inward facing um you know young girl girl who's never been anywhere right and, you know she's been locked in the tower not her fault she's been raised literally completely cut off from and everyone I, I, in all society I, I think it's it's not a real i mean it's not a documentary yeah <laughs> so, a girl who was raised like that would not be as well adjusted yeah, as Rapunzel is. <laughs> i mean like the whole that that first uh, this opening song when, when when will my life begin she is really obviously a pretty remarkable young lady um and she's clever and she she is brave and she's resourceful and she's intelligent but she's also been locked in a tower for a really long time, and so, she's so she's naive. very naive. She's very innocent, and she's very concerned about a lot <laughs> about this guy. 
And uh, like so, uh, after she knocks him out, she checks for fangs because her mother right. told her that all men in the world are evil and would just want her magical hair and have fangs and, when, and are horrible creatures. And when he wakes up and he's tied in the chair, she's hiding way up in the shadows, almost this reversal of, of Beauty and the Beast where uh, the Beast is hiding in the shadows and and um, and then sort of slowly steps into the light and she does the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they could have done this where she was just like, she was just kicking tail and, you know, taking names from the very beginning. And, and like, she kind of does. Like, you can see that there's strength in her, uh, but she's also really tentative, especially especially at the beginning, but really throughout. Like, and and I like that. Yeah. I, I want to say something about the, the marketing, because I didn't see the movie when it came out. I was I was in Poland doing volunteer work and, and not watching movies. And so I saw advertisements. I said, oh, okay, I guess it's a new Disney movie. And and it was in Polish. And so I didn't even know that it was Rapunzel. Like, I didn't know what the word you was. Didn't, and it was, it was you the didn't word get a... in Polish. Zaplontani. You didn't get it by the picture with like, the girl means. with the really, 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 really long well, hair. <laughs> so that is, like, I can remember the image. And at a certain point, I was like, oh, Rapunzel. Got okay, got it. And then, but, like, the the way they had set it up, like she was in this very, like she was very front and center, like this very dominant, like she had her hair in both hands and she had a shoulder Uh forward and is like this, this action pose and she's barefoot and stuff. And so like you're constructing this image is like, okay, well she's lived in the tower. Of course she's barefoot. You like, you don't need shoes at home and things like that. And then you've got the, the guy who I thought was the prince because I was familiar with the, the grim story. Um, in the back, with a frying pan held up sort of like he's going to use it. But next to him is a horse with a sword in its mouth. (laughs) And so I say, okay, so he's incompetent. She seems to have her crap together and the horse is on board with all of this. And, and, you know, and that's sort of what they constructed. And then when I saw it, um, at some point, you know, that's sort of what they did, but they made her much more, um, not vulnerable, but like she didn't seem too confident. She didn't seem overbearing at all, but still very capable and strong. And like you said, with the opening song, you know, and that curiosity that Joseph mentioned earlier, she has cultivated, you know, a a persona where she can actually do things. She is capable and, and she's very, very capable with her hair. <laughs> yeah. Very tenacious. In other <laughs> that, the hair is pretty, pretty amazing. It's a good thing. It's magical hair. Cause that, that just gives them a catch all to explain what in the world this hair is yeah. doing in all the scenes. <laughs> the, the prehensile. It's little fantastic. Whips. It's really, it really is great. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, it's also, um, we already made reference to the frying pans, but uh, when you're talking about subverting traditional tropes of, of feminine identity, when you're turning the frying pan into a weapon, uh, <laughs> that she wields and that the men become, wow, that's really cool that you can use this, this traditionally domestic object, uh, in this other, you know, traditionally masculine right. way. I think it's another clever <laughs> little subversion that happens. What the, I, 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 I don't know. This, this film has a lot of great lines, but one of the best lines in this film has to be when Flynn is fighting Maximus with the, with the frying pan. And he says, you, you must know that this is the strangest thing I have ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I did a a poll on Facebook of some friends uh, following Uh your example, Todd. And that is the only thing that two people posted and they both posted it at the exact same time. Favorite line from the movie. Yeah. Was, was that moment. And that's the only one so far that has had, uh, 
had a double. It's posting. really it's, it's so so well done. <laughs> that whole scene is pretty. All right, great. so oh yeah, Go ahead. so then uh, you know Flynn eventually agrees because he wants the satchel with the crown. That was his whole thing. Oh, I guess it, an important note for later is that he had some accomplices in stealing the the crown that he uh, double crossed, and he ran off with the crown by himself. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, they go out and there's this great sequence where Rapunzel, you see the kind of the duality where she's not doing this like out of utter rebellion against her mom because she hates who she believes to be her mom. Uh, you know, she feels guilt for going against her mother's wishes. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it's very exciting and liberating for her to do this. And, you know, we just get this great back and forth of this is so exciting. I'm the worst daughter ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Before they go on. And and Flynn doesn't really, you know, he just wants his satchel back. He does not care at all about really helping her with her journey. So he says to himself, I'm going to I'm gonna scare her. I'm going to take her to the Snuggly Duckling, which is, of course, <laughs> it's the Snuggly Duckling. It's the most, you know, the hangout of the most nefarious, <laughs> uh, horrible individuals that exist in the kingdom. That's so great. <laughs> snuggly Duckling. And, and when you were saying that, you know, she's not immediately an action hero, they get into trouble at the Snuggly Duckling, and she saves Flynn, but it's not through action. Um, it's it's through kind of empathy, where um, she's, you know, the guys grab Flynn, they recognize that there's an award, a reward out for him, and, and they want to claim that, And but she says, guys, I need him to fulfill my dream. Haven't you ever had a dream that you just wanted to complete? And, you know, I'm not going to be able to complete mine without him, and that's when we get the very catchy... Um, I've got a dream song. Yeah. It's uh, I I love her appeal to their humanity. Where is your humanity? <laughs> and and I think uh, and that that's that's what she has going for her. She's she's a she's just a great human being and somehow being locked in that tower forever with this horrible woman, she cultivated this this just beautiful sense of humanity she connects with people and people open up to her and and it's great i mean it like i said it's not a documentary and the the chances of somebody (laughs) being locked in a tower with mother gothel and turning out like uh as well as rapunzel has are pretty low but she's she's just a fantastic character it reminds me of the mary richards character that we talked about i don't know when a few a few weeks ago um that you just love her because she's human and she seems uh, authentic, even though her origin story is obviously uh, unbelievable <laughs> at best. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And she has, I don't know how many feet of magical glowing hair that she drags around behind her. It's <laughs> <Seeing how filthy. laughs> I think, I think there is an official statement from, from production. I think there was like 25 people working just on the hair yeah. as animators. But I think they officially said how many feet of hair she has somewhere. But well, you'd have to find, we find like, that. We'll, we'll put wiki. that in the show notes uh, <laughs> if we're able to track that. It down. seems like it changes lengths. Is is I yes. think what you were referring yeah. to before, Joseph, is that there are times when it's impossibly long, and then there are other times when she when she has it all braided up. There's no way. Which how much would that way? How much would yeah, that? There's way? no way that all that the <laughs> amount of hair that's braided. This is so dumb that we're talking about this. There's no, there's no way that the amount of hair that she has braided at the end when she's dancing with the, with the townspeople is the same amount of hair that she has when she's tied up Flynn. And it wraps all the way around the house about 17 times and then up into the rafters. Just crisscrossing across yeah, the Yeah, and then she's yeah. up in the rafters hiding it. So 
There is yeah, some definite. It's, uh, it's there's scary. definitely some magic stuff going on. And I'm just gonna get this out of here while we're talking about impossible things with the hair. Every uh, girl I've ever seen the movie with comments on how perfect uh, Flynn's cut of her hair is. Oh, it's <laughs> so it, awesome! It's a perfectly styled. <laughs> <laughs> With just one flick of a shard of glass, yeah. he perfectly styles her yeah. hair. <laughs> spoiler warning for the end there. That's all right. We've, we've already given our spoiler warning. Um, but after she... Uh, so she, she saves Flynn through empathy, but then the guards do, do come up, and we get another a, uh, a more action scene, and she saves him again, but in the action setting. She uses her hair uh, like a... You know, a whip to to move around and to save Very, him and pull it's him like, out of, it, out of sticky it's situations. It's like Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Luke, you know, Luke and Le- Leia. It's yeah. I think they're really going for Indiana Jones because later on, there's a moment where some rocks are crashing down yeah. and they're trapped in a cave, and Flynn like reaches out and grabs yes. the frying yeah, pan. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah, yeah, Indiana yeah. Jones mm-hmm. with his hat. And the and the coloring all feels yeah. Very it Indiana also feels Jones very um, throughout that whole sequence. This whole scene feels a lot uh, like uh, Zora, the the Antonio Banderas Zora film. Yeah, the I, you know, I know what I'm talking, talking about. about. So, so when they're when they're out, uh, when it gets to more of the action side of it after the silly song, when all the goons say that you know they want to collect ceramic unicorns or be <laughs> a <laughs> a concert pianist. Um, which which is your favorite ruffian dream? I think the love connection. Okay. Yeah, looking for a love connection is a good one. I like the the one-handed guy that wants to be a concert pianist. <laughs> Has a hook for a hand, but that's his dream. <laughs> but then it becomes <laughs> the uh, the action scene out on kind of the I'm guessing a mine or something. There's there's a dam of water and there's you know the the chutes for water to flow down, and you know so you get this great action sequence with water flowing everywhere and running across the top of this rickety wooden framework. Like you said, it it, it does strike you of both Indiana Jones or the Zorro um, kind of kind of action scenes, but really it's Rapunzel who's who's kind of in charge through it all, and not you know the ruffian uh, thief who <laughs> is supposed to be more worldwide. He gets in the. He, this is when he gets in the fencing match with Maximus the horse, who has a sword in yes. his mouth, and and Flynn has the frying pan, and he's really excited about about this new weapon that he's found, and it's all very silly, but um, but really. Uh, well done, and she she helps them escape using her hair. So yeah, and they 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 end up in a uh, a flooded tunnel, uh, and the water's rising, and they're trying to find a way out of it, and it's too dark uh, to see. And she realizes at the last moment, wait, I have a light source. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> my hair glows, and he's like, what? And she starts well, to see because he's he's giving his final like, we're gonna die in this thing, so I have to tell somebody. My name is not Flynn Rider. It's Eugene something. Fitz something. Fitzherbert. Yeah, it's uh, Eugene Fitzherbert. And then she's like, well, okay, as long as we're giving our deathbed confessions here, I have magic uh, hair that glows when I sing. And then, and then she, she like, realizes, oh my gosh, my hair glows when I sing. So she sings, the hair glows, they dive under the water, they're able to find a little uh, a place where water is escaping, and they escape. And uh, they survive. And he, this is some of my favorite um, reactions from <laughs> from Flynn Rider when he says things like, "Her hair glows. Why does her hair glow? I did not see that coming." <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I 
I mean, he's no, he's known obviously something is odd about her hair because she's dragging, you know, twenty plus feet of hair behind <laughs> her. But uh, this is the first time he knows that's magical. And now, then he finds out not only does it glow, she heals. He has a cut on his hand, and she heals that with her hair. She wraps his hand up. <laughs> she says, "Don't." Hair, she says, "Don't freak song. out." She says, I'm not freaking out. I'm just very interested in your hair and the magical quality. Of this. <laughs> Um, and it should be noted, you're getting some wonderful looks from this little chameleon named Pascal throughout this, who's one of the, you know, the animal sidekicks that appears in many, many Disney princess films that you have cute animal sidekicks. Um, and and he's just, he gives these wonderfully condescending and knowing looks (laughs) to to Flynn throughout. Um, and, and this is kind of, I mean, we've already said that. Rapunzel starts out with this this blend of of being tough but also innocent and and not knowing and this um as you said in the in the tunnel we get this reversal for Flynn who starts out as this wise cracking um kind of Han Solo-esque uh swaggering <laughs> uh ruffian and then you you find out this other side of him that he's really kind of a sad you know a lonely orphan who in reading a book found about found out about a guy named Flynn who always had adventures and said that's the life I want uh, so he took the name and tried to create this this persona uh, that's uh, you know it, it's it's partly that's who he is but also there's the lost little boy within him yeah it's uh the the way that they bond in this whole scene I think is pretty great and this is you feel like, I mean, like you said, like he's kind of broken, and I mean, she heals his hand, but in some ways, I mean, there's this parallel going on with, you know, there's a deeper level of healing that's going on for him, um, and this it's a sort of nuance you can find in yeah, story, and, and you can find this um, uh, really like, kind of parallel for both of them. It's about attachment. It's about finding somebody that that recognizes your needs and is able to fulfill your needs and is physically close. And that's what, those are the three, you, those are three big things. If you want to have a, a well adjusted, uh, relationship of attachment, then you have to be physically close. You have to recognize somebody's needs and you have to fulfill their needs. This is why mother Gothel does not fit as an attachment figure for Rapunzel because while she is physically close and she may recognize Rapunzel's needs, uh, she doesn't fulfill them. And when somebody comes along who does, and it's not hard for Rapunzel to become attracted to that person. And, and, and she does the same thing for him. She, she recognizes his needs, and, and that's why they're able to come together. And there's just a lot of kind of emotional depth uh, in this, this scene with um, her healing him and it's also very silly when he says um he's really excited because he's wondering if maybe he'll get mad as super strength in his in his hand because uh i'm not lying that would be pretty fantastic <laughs> and he says something like superhuman good looks i was born with them but <laughs> super strength would be pretty awesome to get <laughs> i think another thing that i was just thinking about this is that this uh, and and somebody who's listening will I'm sure correct me if I'm wrong, but this feels like a step in tone in a t- totally different direction from other Disney films, which always kind of uh, I, I think of them as having this sense of gravitas and and just being situated in a kind of a serious world but also like i think about beauty and the beast 
and it feels sort of dark and medieval and or I think of the Lion King and you have Mufasa and James Earl Jones with this very kind of serious somber tone and while uh, somebody like Timon and Pumbaa or um, what's his name Lumiere in in these other films are funny they don't ever feel modern or like hip and and this, I think Entangled, it's the first time that I remember watching a Disney film and, and thinking, man, like these people are cool. And they say funny things like don't freak out. Like nobody would say don't freak out um, in Beauty and the Beast. Like it, it doesn't fit. But, uh, but we see it repeated again in, um, in Frozen the same tone but it's not the same it's not the, like the tone of the dreamworks where dreamworks is always very tongue-in-cheek and modern and right. references to pop culture that don't fit in there this doesn't mm-hmm. do anything to that level um but it is i think i agree it's a break from what had been uh the disney animated house style uh which is very different from the pixar right uh, you know animated house style um i mean even though this one's computer animated and it's released by disney this is not a pixar film in in tone um and I mean, not in production. It was a Disney production. It was one of the things that surprised me was just yeah that tone. It just felt very like the dialogue felt very modern to me, um, and like slick in a way that I hadn't I hadn't seen before in one of these kind of main Disney Disney animated films. And but I think that it's a model that they're continuing with. I mean, obviously with Frozen, which has the same. You know, Belle would never sing like I don't know if I'm elated or gassy, right? But everybody laughs at that, and it's funny, and it feels appropriate. At the, you know when you hear it, but uh, we we never would ha- we never would have had Frozen if we hadn't had Tangled. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and it should be well, when we're doing our plot description, we need to note that Mother Gothel ha- has realized that Rapunzel's not in the tower and is now following and making plans to manipulate Rapunzel to coming back to her willingly. That's uh, uh, Mother Gothel's horrible, but she has always pretended to be wonderful to Rapunzel because she doesn't want um, a prisoner who's fighting her. She wants someone who will willingly let her, you know, just come in and use the magical power and pretend to be nice. And then Mother Gothel goes out and lives her life, whatever her life is outside of this. We have no idea what she does. She gets hazelnuts. She gets hazelnuts and makes hazelnut soup. And white shells for paint. paint. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I... I don't know why she wants to live so long. She's lived for hundreds of years at this point, and and I I don't get the feeling that she's living a fulfilling multi. Yeah, I'm life. interested in what your take <laughs> is on Mother Gothel because because I think her motivation is really interesting. Like I said, she doesn't want Rapunzel to fight her, but you also get the feeling she, she even though she's passive aggressive and <laughs> and is obviously obsessed with her own beauty over Rapunzel's, you. I think she really wants Rapunzel to like her. Um, and, and she's less concerned with Rapunzel, you know, truly getting affection from her that rather than, you know, thinking that she is. Um, but she, I, I think she gets some fulfillment out of the relationship besides just I the think, magical. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think, life. um, just because of the fact that she's hor- like, obviously a horrible mother, she's a horrible mother. She's manipulative and unkind and sarcastic. And sarcastic locks her daughter in, in like the tower for all 18 years. Ways. <laughs> yeah, like let's set aside the fact that she's locked Rapunzel in this tower. 
But she says things about her getting a little chubby. She says, look at the beautiful young woman in the mirror. Oh, and you're here too, She's so horrible. But at the same time, I I feel like... I I don't know. Like I think that her re- her relationship with Rapunzel matters to her. I mean, in in some weird, sick, twisted way that's hard to understand. Except for that, we're all familiar with cases of people who are like pretty bad parents that, when push comes to shove, I think really do love their kids and want their kids to love them. Yeah, desperately. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, I mean, like. <laughs> Obviously, I'm in no way justifying locking your child in a tower <laughs> because you love them. But I think that um, Mother Gothel does not come off to me as an unbelievable character. Um, I think that there are lots of uh, parents who would be willing to sacrifice their own kids for for in order to get you know whatever they get out of out of that. This is, I, this is a random example, but what you're just saying, like, sacrifice your own kids. There's a story right now going on in the sports world of a hockey player who's made millions of dollars, but his parents were in charge of it, and his parents essentially have to oh, him out of all of his contracts oh, his entire man. life. I mean, and this is, you know, parents who supposedly have been supporting their son in this career his whole life, um, but they've completely taken him for everything of value that they could right. make out of that relationship. And so there are horrible real-world parallels to what we see from other Gothel. Yeah, and and I think I guess I I guess what I'm thinking is that just because you're you're a horrible person and you treat your kids in horrible ways doesn't deny or doesn't negate the fact that there may be uh, deep down some real desire for love and affection and attachment like I you know like I was talking about earlier. Um so I don't know, it's complicated. In some ways it reminds me of Thanos. Uh, and this desire to to be, to be loved, loved like desperate like but but you have to come back on your own right and i could we could just throw mm-hmm. a sack over you and and haul you back to the tower and lock you up there but i but there's something in mother gothel that wants rapunzel to come back on her own steam and part of it is obviously she doesn't want to have to fight her um but but it's anyways. I, I I just had that thought about Thanos just now. So maybe it's maybe it's dumb. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, there's a quick side moment where Maximus, the the guard of the I, I or the horse of one of the the head guards of the city, uh, comes upon them and is trying to take Flynn back. <laughs> and again, Rapunzel stops him and like tells him to sit, and he does. And Flynn's like, well, "How come you listen to her?" Um, and she, Rapunzel explains, "Like it's my birthday. I need you." <laughs> to let him help me and then you can take him in and maximus agrees like uh, rapunzel again over and over is is saving flynn she so two (laughs) things about that scene that i love 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 one is the animation of the horse is absolutely fantastic because it's a horse but he's really a dog right and my daughter was watching it and she goes dad that horse is just like buffy and buffy's our dog and the way that the ears the way that the ears shift and just the whole it's it's so perfectly animated uh to i mean still obviously a horse but they they the mannerisms are so uh just perfectly dog and and when when she's like drop it drop it it's like it's exactly how <laughs> we talk to our dog and then um and then also she she's telling you like 
please, we have to go. We have to, the, the lanterns and this horse is very reluctant to uh, take sides with Flynn, who he's been chasing. And then she she sort of lets slip out of the side of her mouth, like, and it's my birthday. <laughs> and it's just, uh, that's great. It reminds me of my sisters. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, the way she interacts with the horse goes back to what you were saying earlier, Todd, about um, yeah. about connecting, uh-huh. like relationships. Because she she starts, you know, rubbing its neck uh-huh. and, and scratching it under the chin, and and you know, giving it the attention it wants and needs, and that it doesn't get from anywhere else. And suddenly, right. it forms this bond. Yeah, I mean, it. this is it's just uh, I don't know. It's not it's not rocket science, but but Bulby, John Bulby, this guy who came up with attachment theory. It really is pretty basic. Like you need, you have to have physical closeness, like proximity, which means like skin on skin touching, touching, you know, holding hands or scratching or, and it makes a big, big, big difference. And if people that don't have that, they, it's, it's hard to form a relationship, uh, through Skype or through Facebook. Um, especially one that could be stronger, uh, if it were equal in all other ways with somebody who's close to you, like physically pro- fix it physically close to you and make it makes a big difference. So yeah. And, and she's smart. She's cued in on that and she knows how to, she knows how to win over the horse, the scratch. Is that one of the books she was I'm rereading? Sure. I'm sure it was. So we move on and they, they actually enter the city the day of the festivals. So I guess annually there's this festivals, um, you know, celebrating slash mourning the lost princess. Uh, for the city, and like you said, we get these—you know—the sequence of her hair being braided up by these little girls, and her dancing with Flynn. And of course, you're sensing that there might be a little <laughs> spark, a little romantic spark, developing between uh, Flynn or Eugene. Because she says she prefers Eugene. I so like Eugene. Eugene. My my kids call him Lugene. <laughs> So, yeah, Rapunzel and Eugene, they, they spend a, a happy day um, waiting for at night when they have this festival of lanterns, when they, they release the glowing lanterns. And um, they they sail out on this boat in, in dusk, uh, waiting for, for the lanterns to be released. And we see the scene of the king. It, it's interesting. This is another thing that I noticed as far as kind of like reversals go. The king seems a little more emotional than the wife. Um, obviously, the wife is not happy, you know, on this day. Uh, but the king is is crying, and she goes to give him a supporting hand as they step out uh, to launch the first of the lanterns that they <laughs> they light every year. And um, I always like this sequence with the flying lanterns because as the king and queen launch the first one, uh, all the citizens launch theirs, but it starts at those closest to where the king and queen are, and you get this overhead shot of the city, and it's like Rapunzel's hair lighting up and glowing as this winding road. Uh, becomes um, illuminated by all these lanterns, uh, you know, lighting uh, the way down the the entire road, and it, it's very much like the tangled hair uh, that that when Rapunzel sings, it starts at the roots and at her head and goes down. I just got the goosebumps. Of it. Nice call. I'd never noticed that. <laughs> G'day. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Like I really uh, actually did just get goosebumps while you were saying that because you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That's awesome. 
this whole sequence, it is beautiful, beautifully animated, and it's it's magical to watch. The the whole this is the song that was nominated for the Academy Awards that they're going to sing during the floating lantern sequence. But all you know from the king and queen somberly and sadly, but also supporting one another, going out and lighting it and launching it all the way down yes. to seeing the, the yeah. lanterns go out to the to the water and the harbor where Flynn and and Rapunzel are, and seeing her wonder at the the lanterns coming by. Uh, and floating around them as they're singing the Now I See the Light. It is uh, one of the better sequences in Disney animated films. It's beautiful. And uh, my five-year-old daughter, I asked her what's her favorite part. She said, I like the lanterns. And uh, and I have to agree, it's absolutely beautiful. It's on, on so many different levels, it's so well done. I did hear that as one of the votes from the Facebook poll. When you asked what the favorite part of the movie was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the lanterns. Now, I also got to say... There may or may not be video of a karaoke performance of this song that I may or may not have participated in. Wow. <laughs> which may or may not become available in to show the notes. Facebook group. <laughs> in the show notes. We, All right. We will we will mm-hmm. see about that. And boy, was that did that not go that didn't go as well as I had hoped. You, you weren't like <laughs> Flynn Rider with uh, with your own oh. your own personal Rapunzel there, like well, I was going to ask, which role were you singing, Todd, or Andrew? <laughs> were you, were you the higher part? About, about maybe switching it up. <laughs> wow. And I have to give props to uh, Zachary Levi, who was Chuck from one of my favorite TV shows. He played Chuck, and he's the voice of Flynn Rider, and he does his own singing in this against Mandy Moore, who was a professional singer before she started doing acting is that, voice work. Is that work. Chuck? Yeah, it's oh. Chuck singing. Oh, and he he holds his own against Mandy Moore. I would say they yeah. they sang it live at the Oscars that year, didn't they? Yes, it was, that's that's a beautiful song. And uh, as you know, classically happens in so many of the Disney animated princess films, they're about to kiss, and then they don't. Darn it! <laughs> Ron Perlman in both of his forms shows up. Do you know that? That's <laughs> those those bad guys, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's I Ron Perlman. Both of them. Well, <laughs> they're they're twin brothers, the Stabbington brothers. Yeah. You just blew my mind. I had no idea. Uh, this is why I, keep, I just I just told you that it was Chuck, and you were impressed by that. I had no idea that was Ron Perlman. Yeah, it's Ron Perlman who, uh, you like as is true to form, we never actually really ever see what Ron Perlman looks like as a human being, um, <laughs> because he is in almost all of his other roles, he's uh, just obscured by obscured makeup by makeup. Yeah, the, absolutely. The Beast in the Beauty of the East TV show or, or Hellboy. Hellboy or. He's wearing those big glasses in uh, Pacific, Pacific Rim. Rim. Yeah, so that's he can't his... hide that chin, though. I mean, even even in his voice work, that chin is. In the <laughs> that's <animals>. true. <laughs> that's true. They, so they are kind of shaped like Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah. So these are the henchmen that uh, Flynn Rider double crossed at the beginning. Oh, and I guess uh, at the just before they go into the song and the the whole floating lantern scene, Rapunzel gives. Flynn Rider back the satchel. So this is before he's fulfilled his bargain of showing her the lights. She says, "You know what? I trust you now. You should you should have this." Um, no, it's it's the uh, interlude during the song. Is it during the song? I thought it was before. Nah. So she, no, she, she gives it to him during part. the interlude. Yep. Oh, you're right. Okay, never mind. Scratch what I said about having not fulfilled because he has fulfilled it. He's shown her the lights. Oh, oh no, he's supposed I, to take her back. Um, oh, okay, that's what he's it was. supposed to take yeah, her back he, to the tower because she says you could pull this, you could t- pull this tower apart brick by brick, and you'd never find it without my help. So you have to take me to the lanterns and then bring me back, and then I'll give you the thing. But Mother Gothel it, found the, the crown and brought it to her, and that's why she has it with her. There we go. In a recap, I missed a few steps. That's okay. Now it all makes sense. Can I? Can I? All is all can be bit? forgiven. 
because they had a, a really interesting discussion, which I think is is worth talking about, um, where she's afraid of what's going to happen when she sees the lantern. She's afraid both of like, what if it's if it doesn't live up to what I've always hoped, or what if it does? Because then like that's the only thing I've really wanted in eighteen years right. is to see these lanterns because I think I'm connected to them. And and that fear of actually you know moving on with her life, I think is is pretty deep for. A, a film that's for ostensibly eight-year-olds. Yeah, we, no, uh, it's we for talked, the four quadrants. That's why they changed the name to <laughs> <Yeah>. Tangled. <laughs> we, we talked a little bit with Thanos about how it said, like, you you know, you keep getting what you want within your grasp and you let it go. And I think it's not true, you know, just true of Thanos or, or what we're bringing in here. Like, that's a, a real human thing to really be striving to obtain something and then being a little bit scared when you're on the cusp of actually getting there. Um, for Rapunzel, she's saying, because I don't, you know... My life doesn't have a whole lot of meaning in the tower, <laughs> so I right. don't know what will come next. But I think that's true of anyone who's worked really hard to obtain something. Once you get it, it's you know it, it, it could be disappointing, um, it, or you could be faced with a now what aspect of your life. And the, the, the and then Flynn's response is the best when he says, "And you you get another dream, right? Yeah. I mean, one, mm-hmm. once this dream is once this journey has run its course, then you get a new dream, and that's." And we'll see that again at the very end. Yeah. They'll bring yeah, that they, up again. But then you find a new dream. Um, so Flynn's, um, Rapunzel's not sure why, but he says, I've got to go take care of this, you know, right before he kisses her. He sees uh, the, the Ron Perlmans. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says, I've got to go take care of something. And she's kind of like, okay. Um, and he goes to give them the, the crown, uh, you know, which is the loot that he was, his whole dream during the I've Got a Dream song was about having money. And, you know, this crown was going to be his his path to money and he's willing to give it up because of, you know, the, the connection that he's formed with, with Rapunzel, but he, he gets knocked unconscious of course. So it doesn't, doesn't go his way. And then mother Gothel manipulates Rapunzel into, um, thinking that, that Flynn has run off because he's been knocked unconscious and they tie him up on a boat and send him out into the Harbor. Rapunzel goes to look for him. And at first the, the Stabbington brothers come towards her and Mother Gothel knocks them unconscious and says, look, Flynn ran away. These guys were going to hurt you. It's just like I always told you. The world's a horrible place and no one's good. <laughs> Except for me. Yes. <laughs> so give me your affection. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> come back to the tower. <laughs> uh, so-, so manipulative. Just needs to be said. So, so manipulative. <laughs> yeah. This is not a class in, like, uh, great parenting. Yeah. So she, um, and then she she says, look, there he goes, and, and there goes Flynn. He's tied up, and but it looks like he's sailing away, and he gets captured, and she goes back to the tower, um, and then, let's see, uh, Maximus is the one who ends up. Oh, it's the, uh, Maximus goes and finds all the thugs in the Snuggly Duckling. And they come. <laughs> That's my favorite name for villain hangout. <laughs> it's the best. They come back and they save uh, Flynn. And Which, uh, it needs to be said in the sequence, gravity does not seem to inflict any pain <laughs> on Flynn Rider no. at any point in this movie. No. <laughs> he gets he's, he's pretty hardy because he's had some some slips, well, like and he's say, been hitting that with the front. It's not man. exactly. It's not a documentary, yeah. you know. Like, it's uh, not but, but, a real. It's not a real thing. I was gonna say. Uh, so, so right before the all the goons come and rescue him, he's being taken to be hanged. Which 
that's a pretty strong punishment for having stolen a crown <laughs> to have, without a trial be taken to be hanged. Yeah, I had I had the same thought. I thought, man, Rapunzel's parents are pretty <laughs> pretty brutal here. Like, I mean, it is their daughter's crown. Yeah, but, and it was on her birthday. But <laughs> there's. Uh. Yeah, it because it, it, later on at the end, there's a line about like all the grace and wisdom that her parents taught her, like saying, yeah. you know, it's like ah, there's not a whole lot of grace happening. Well, they've <laughs> got Maximus. Flipper. They've got Maximus in charge of security at the end, so yeah. like, they're, you're not going to get a lot of clemency. He doesn't seem like one to yeah. mess around. So we, I mean, we get so little of her actual parents, and this is one of the only things that we get, and that's it. Just really rings as uh, being iron fisted. <laughs> <laughs> well, they never speak. And I think each of them has, I think they have a voice person because you hear them sigh, (laughs) (laughs) but, but there's no words. Yeah. Like all you get is that moment where they're like letting the, letting the first lantern go. And, and I really like that sequence and I really like her parents in that sequence, (laughs) but yeah, that's, that's some harsh capital punishment. Maybe it has something to do with like breaking down a dam. Yeah. Maybe they're, they're tagging on other offenses. (laughs) Well, I guess at the very beginning. Uh, there's already a wanted poster up for him, so he obviously has had, you know, is a no history. But it, but it can all also be forgiven if he falls in love with their daughter. Then it's like, yes, we were going to kill you this morning, but this afternoon, no. all part of the family, yeah. come on into this group hug. So uh, I don't, I honestly don't know what to make of that. Um, I did, I did notice it at the time, and I thought, huh. Like I mean, maybe, I, maybe like maybe Robespierre is in charge of their security or something, and they don't <laughs> they don't really know, but they they're just like, oh yeah, he's trustworthy. Like, maybe they're, they're like there's a hidden Javert story who's been hunting him his entire yeah. life. <laughs> he's the one that he's drawing every single wanted poster himself, and he's finally got him now. <laughs> and messing up the noses on all of them <laughs> on purpose. Uh, now, simultaneously to the breakout uh, back in the tower, Rapunzel is. Um, <laughs> this is one of those other sequences that doesn't quite ring true but she gets this flashed memory to when she was an infant in her crib and realizes that she's the princess well she also realizes that she has subconsciously been drawing the kingdom's little flag symbol the the sun symbol it's the scarlet pimpernel it's her scarlet pimpernel (laughs) moment when she realizes it's all around her yeah so but so now she knows she's the princess she uh confronts mother gothel with this and it the, that scene cuts off ambiguously with like Rapunzel saying, "I'm never going to help you again," and then you know Mother Gothel glares at her, and it cuts to black. Um, and then we get Flynn r- arriving at the tower. Uh, the hair comes out. He says, "Rapunzel, Rapunzel, I'm here." She throws the hair out, and he gets through the window. And Mother Gothel's there, and she immediately stabs him unceremoniously. And he's he he's going to die. He's lying dying on the floor. And Mother Gothel starts dragging Rapunzel away. Not sure where they're going to go. <laughs> Down into the little cellar. Okay. So yeah, she's going to keep her... trap door. She's gonna, is she going to keep her in the tower, I guess, is my question. Um, I think the plan is to go somewhere else. Right. That's what I mean by, like, I'm not sure where yes. she's going. I mean... Maybe she has, like, a backup tower somewhere, like a safe only house. Only Flynn knows about the tower, so now that she's stabbed him, I think she could have kept Rapunzel well, in the tower. he rode Maximus to the tower this time. Uh, that's true. Uh... But Rapunzel, um, once again saving Flynn's life, makes a deal with Mother Gothel that if you let me save him, I won't fight you. But if he dies, I am going to kick and scream and yell and drag myself against you every inch of every step we take the rest of my life. Mother Gothel doesn't seem too happy about that. It would be tiring. 
<laughs> so, and this is and this is the point where we were talking about Mother Gothel before, and what is her motivation when when Rapunzel puts her foot down and says, "You're, I'm never going to sing for you. I'm never going to. You, you, this is over, and I'm going to fight you every step of the way." Um, you definitely see Mother Gothel just descending into like deeper and deeper darkness. It's, mm-hmm. You know, sort of like is it? Um, Sleeping Beauty when the when she turns into the big dragon, yeah, you know this, this is that moment for her. She's very angry, um, and so Rapunzel goes back. She's gonna sing for Flynn, and instead he grabs a shard of glass and chops off her hair in what has to be the greatest single cut of hair in <laughs> film history, which creates. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. Rapunzel's a beautiful young lady, and she looks equally beautiful with her long blonde hair as she does with her short, kind of spunky brown hair. It's a it's a nice cut. It's a nice cut. Yeah. The short hair's really foxy. <laughs> it reminds me of the guy that I saw on YouTube the other day um, cutting people's hair with a samurai sword in Japan. Ah, I've not seen that, that video. Uh, Is that- is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, he has this big samurai sword, and he sort of, he like, you know, like... Uh, Show notes. Oh, yeah, he 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 twirls it around, and then pulls her hair, and he does, like, this feathering thing. I'm doing the actions right now, but you can't see them, but <laughs> they're pretty great. Uh, yeah, we'll put it in show notes. That's good. Have you ever seen uh, John Belushi's old Saturday Night Live Samurai Grocery Store Clerk and Samurai Taylor? That's what, that's what it reminded me of. I may have. Yeah, just a... <laughs> Every job that he can do with a samurai sword in the most violent way possible, he's doing. This uh, this guy in Japan does not, uh, as far as I know, inflict any harm on his uh, clients. Yeah. Um, but he does. Anyway, we're all right. Uh, I I assume Flynn. I assume Flynn went into salonery <laughs> after after ceasing. He should have. He's like, well, I've, I've got a knack for this haircut. Yeah, he, he has a new Be- role there. Best best barber in the whole kingdom. Yeah, so, uh, I was going to say, wait, after this cut, Mother Gothel starts to age immediately, like all the centuries that she'd been cheating through this magic pass away. But my question for you, Todd, is how did Flynn know that was going to happen, and what would have happened if she hadn't died? If she'd like, stayed at the age she was and was going to have another you know, 20, 30 years of life, how would she have treated Rapunzel, even though the hair was cut? No, well, she was going out, she was going to die out the window, right? She I falls out the window. No, Flynn cuts. Well, Flynn cuts the hair, and then when she's aging, she screams and falls out the window, and and you know disappears into dust. Right. Uh, but Flynn didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, if he had cut the hair and he died, and then it was just Rapunzel and uh, Mother Gothel at that age, just standing there looking at one another, <laughs> how do things go for Rapunzel at this moment? <laughs> um. Uh, <laughs> what is what's the line in Guardians of the Galaxy? I have. Uh, a plan and then it's like I have part of a plan <laughs> maybe I have what is it like 7% of a plan 12% of a plan or something yes. I, have a hard, I have a hard time believing that Flynn has like 100% of a plan um, he yeah, just, just seemed... he just uh, he doesn't want Rapunzel to go and be with be, be yeah, locked be up trapped. in the tower with her forever and so this is her out right yeah um I've seen some people say that they feel like Rapunzel should have cut her own hair, and that would have been the stronger move for the story. And once you start to think about, like, what was Flynn's whole plan? 
Like, if Rapunzel was making the choice to cut her own hair and be stuck with Mother Gothel with whatever consequences, that's fine. But Flynn made a pretty big choice for her. But if <laughs> Rapunzel it. cuts her own hair, if hang on a second. If Rapunzel cuts her own hair, then she's essentially condemning him to death, right? That's Unless true, she yeah. heals him and then cuts her heals own hair. Heals him and then quickly <laughs> cuts her own hair. I guess that would have been, yeah, I don't know. And, and uh, here's the other thing. I like Flynn as a character. I, he's silly. I mean, he's, he's, he's the funny one in this. I'm trying to think of, like, really funny, hilarious lines that, that Rapunzel has throughout this whole film, and there aren't any. Yeah, well, there's asides. Like, like little... It's not, like, witty as the when delivery she says, like, makes it. And it's my birthday. But or that's not, she, like... Or the physical comedy when she hits herself in the head with a firing pin. Yeah. Yeah. But, but... I got, I got a lot more votes for Flynn Rider quotes from Facebook yeah. than for oh, anything yeah. Rapunzel I'm sure if, like, if you were to Google... Like, tons of them were Flynn things. Yeah, if you were to Google Tangled Quotes, it would all be Flynn Rider, I'm sure. But the thing is that, uh, despite being, like, the you know, the funny guy, uh, I don't feel like he's totally incompetent. You know? Like, yeah. he's... he's He is Han Solo. He's he survived this long. He's a rogue. Um, he's very charismatic. He has this really funny lines when he when he like puts on the smolder and <laughs> yes. he does he's like, Hi, I'm Flynn Ryder and she's like, What the heck are you looking at me like that for? <laughs> and he says, You broke you broke my smol- my smolder. Um But I don't think that he's totally incompetent and I'm okay with him, you know, making you know, making a choice at the end of the film. I don't yeah. think that it and, takes well, away from is... her agency that they're like working together. And I think it's okay that they don't have a total plan. I don't know that if I were in that situation, um, that I would be thinking yeah. like, you know, eight moves ahead. Yeah. He's like, what, what do I have to do right now? Right now to keep her from going down that hatch with mother Gothel and, and his best option is cut her hair. And I'm okay with that. And it is, got, he is self-sacrificing in that moment. It's not just leaving her in a bind. He's saying, I'm going to die so that you're not trapped as her fountain of youth for the rest of your life. Right. You know, I've got a no prize explanation for why she can't heal him and cut her own hair. It's because she said she would go with Mother Gothel. And earlier she establishes that she keeps That's her promises true. once. That's true. All right. All right. It's just something that I was I was thinking about. I like where we've landed. Uh, so, but uh, oh, speaking of landings, Mother Gothel dies, falling out the window, and disappears in a puff of smoke. This of, is really uh, interesting to me. Can I say something about Mother Gothel's death? Is um, I'm trying to think of uh, like villain deaths in um, in Disney films, and uh, Gaston falls off of a roof. But, like, falls off of a roof and dies, like, in a bloody heap at the bottom of the castle, we can assume. Uh, The guy in Tarzan, that death is, like, pretty brutal, isn't it? Like... He falls and hang and and is yeah, hung yeah. You on the see vines. the shadow. You see the shadow of him hanging from a vine. Um, you've got Maleficent is stabbed in the heart Scar. as a dragon. Scar, Scar gets yeah, tossed the, the off hyenas, the, and the hyenas off the thing, and, the, and the hyenas rip him to shreds. Um, so we, we talk about like, oh, Disney always softens the uh, cleans up the grim cleans fairy up tales. the fairy tales. <laughs> but like, if you think about, I mean, they don't they don't show everything, but some of the ends of these films are pretty. Um, can be like pretty gruesome, and Mother Gothel could have fallen off of the thing and just broke her neck and died, uh, but instead they gave her. Um, I feel like that that they they took pity on her in the death that they gave her. Maybe right. not the the dignity of dissolving into dust on the way down. <laughs> That's probably ludicrous of me to think <laughs> that, but 
It does um, remind me of uh, another spoiler for another film, the end of Return of the Jedi, when the Emperor is thrown down a shaft. Right. Uh, and you see this rogue figure disappearing down, and then you get this explosion of energy coming up. But from Mother Gothel, it's this puff of, of yeah. hum- human dust, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the cape. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, wonder, little... I wonder if we will see... Um, I wonder if it's if we might see a sea change in Disney films uh, moving away from these really gruesome deaths for villains towards more reformation or or if not incarceration. Refer- yeah things like incarceration like happens in Frozen right yeah the uh, the bad guy the, Hans the bad guy what's it? he Hans, just gets yeah. he just gets hauled off in chains mm-hmm. and they could have you know like. Elsa could have. Queen, Elsa could Elsa have taken, stays in power, even though she was kind of the bad guy for a little while. Elsa could have taken care of him in uh, any number of ways, and he gets you know hauled off in chains, and and he also could have died in you know some I, in magical in the blast of magic right, or any other right. It's not her like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna. There were plenty of Papa, icy shards he could have landed on. Papa, Papa, an ice an icicle tree or whatever yeah. you know. Like, and there were those all over when he was, you know, when the explosion happened, he could have landed on one. Right. Um, but I wonder if, I wonder how many in the future, if we will see Disney films with, uh, sort of, uh, see them kind of clean up or tame the endings uh, for their villains. Whether they are kind of merciful deaths, like happens with Mother Gothel, or people getting hauled off in chains, like happens with Hans. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah. And w- with mother oh. with mother Gothel falling out the window, I've always been a little bothered by Pascal like pulling some strands of hair <laughs> yeah. taut so she trips out the window. Like, I don't think it was that's true. Always been a little, yeah, it's always been a little iffy for me for that. The animal. physics of that chameleon having the weight. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I, I thought you were talking about like emotionally, like man, that's kind of a dark move for you, little chameleon. No, that's that's what I that is what I'm. Oh, talking I was about. talking about the physics of it. Physics, so he should have <laughs> he should have gone flying out the window with Mother Gothel. Like she would have pulled the hair and him right out the window. <laughs> but no, I was just thinking like I've been a fan of this chameleon, and now he's like I got to make sure she goes out the window. Uh, everyone has another side to them. We've already talked about it for Flynn and Mother Gothel and Rapunzel, and now we're gonna get for uh, oh man, for, that's for so Pascal. Awesome. Um, <laughs> And then we get the the callback to the original story where the the blinded prince is healed by Rapunzel's te- tears in the in the fairy tale, yes. and even though her hair's magical healing properties are gone when she cries, um, we get kind of the Beauty of the Beast like glowing ethereal mist that emits <laughs> from all around him, and he gets healed. You may have noticed that my memory for stories is actually not that good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I, I have, um, what I like to think of as an Easter egg memory where, um, like I can hide my own Easter eggs and then, and then I don't know where I left them. And so it's like, I'm, I wonder what will happen. <laughs> like, I wonder where my Easter eggs are that I just hid. Cause I really can't remember where they are. And that's how I feel with stories. Like, I mean, I've seen this probably three or four times. <laughs> and when he cut her hair, I was like, wait, he cut her <laughs> Her hair and he's not you'd be surprised again well, by yes, the story I was that you know. totally totally surprised today i've got my all my kids crawling all over my lap we're watching this on my laptop and i'm like what is gonna happen how is he healed i keep, like really can't remember and now her hair is cut 
And like, does he die? No, I don't think he dies. I think they get married in the end. I really could not remember how it ends. And when I saw her cry, I thought, oh, I'm so glad for that deus ex machina. Because, <laughs> because I was like, I was concerned for, for uh, Flynn. I was watching this with my daughter, like I said, um, and we, when this was happening and he was being healed, she just looked at me and she goes, I wish they hadn't done it like this because it makes me think it's his soul leaving his body. Because <laughs> 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 he does start glowing in weird ways. He does, <laughs> yeah. weird flower bloomy things comes out it's of him. Definitely the another, it's definitely, definitely another nod to um, Beauty and the Beast, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Where the, you know, the stabbed, wounded, dying uh, male character gets, you know, uh, healed in this glowing light yeah. show. Yes. And then we get the, uh, the you know, the, the same, as we said, King and Queen that were about to hang Flynn Rider, give him a group hug when he brings the group hug. <laughs> their daughter back Let's to Let's let bygones be bygones. And, you know, they, they recognize their daughter awfully quickly, <laughs> too. Well, there's For a... changing hair color. Yeah. Well, she looks like... She looks a lot like her mom, actually, when... With the, she, with with the, the changed hair color, yeah. With yeah. the changed hair color. And um, who can vouch for her? Flynn. Flynn can vouch for her. He's trustworthy. <laughs> the guy that they were about to... <laughs> <laughs> they were about to <laughs> Maximus can vouch for her. <laughs> yes. So they have the word of the horse... And the guy that was going to kill them, and all the ruffians in uh, Snuggly Duckling. 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 And they probably brought a handful of dust to kind of prove their story. Uh, The hair? This was Mother Mother Gothel. Did the hair dissolve? Uh, No, it just turned brown. 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 So they, you know, they throw that in a big sack, take it back (laughs) with them. This is the hair. 45 feet of hair. It's like, obviously, this is the hair she grew for her. This was my magic hair. Here's the dust of my former cap, you know, captor. Yeah. I would have no problem believing that story if I were. Yes, because I am sure that a kingdom mourning a lost princess would have no one come and try and claim that they are royalty. Now we're in it. Now we're in Anastasia territory. No, not That's on, another podcast. Not on a Disney franchise. <laughs> That's another podcast. <laughs> Anastasia. But uh, we get this little monologue at the end. So there's this giant party. Um that's uh, where Flynn Rider, he opened the story by saying, this isn't my story, this is Rapunzel's story, and he gives the monologue bookending back, saying, there's a big party, I don't remember most of it. <laughs> um, and, you know, we did get married uh, after a couple of years of asking. I finally said yes, and he laughs. He's like, no, I asked her. But then he says, um, you know, going back to what we were saying about the traditional roles that we see for women like they they move to kind of a happier state of domesticity classically right. in fairy tales mm-hmm. uh but he says you know she ruled you know it wasn't that i ruled it was that that rapunzel ruled that was their happily ever after was that she was the queen right um and it does say uh something like ruling with all the grace and wisdom that her parents taught her and i i hope they had a long life to keep teaching her well because... i'm just hoping that um that they got rid of whoever their chief of police was because i really I, I well here's the other thing i have a hard time believing i mean i don't we don't know how many <laughs> this is such a dumb we don't know what the population <laughs> of uh yeah, uh, yeah of it's hard to say is. are there 300 or are there thousands or th- 300 million but yeah. but um hopefully if they if they really are wise and graceful which they seem to be um then hopefully they they've learned to delegate some things like security and uh and so you know uh, well they delegate it to a horse so they are, they are comfortable <laughs> with delegation i just don't think that i don't everyone uses i don't think that that was their call 
I don't think you it was, think that was Rapunzel. That was Rapunzel's first leadership no, decision. I'm not talking about Maximus. I'm talking about the 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 decision to hang Flynn Rider. Oh, okay. I don't I think it was about... the dad's decision. Like I'm going to hang you. I just think it was the natural course of whatever laws had been in place, and whoever it's was the overzealous bureaucrat that had been yes, put in charge. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Overzealous <laughs> okay. bureaucrats, and mom and dad are a little distant. They're they're emotionally. Uh, distraught because they've lost they're not their as daughter. hands-on in their ruling. They're not they, hands-on rulers. Yeah. They know how to delegate. Um, the the flaw was in who they delegated to, which is probably some under minister of something security. And I, I'm or, sticking with the idea that it was uh, Javert that had a real grudge against Flynn. Or the yeah yeah I mean uh, yeah certainly some French uh, hor- <laughs> horrible French chief of police. Um, take your pick, right? A broad stereotype. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely in, in control there. So uh, I thought before we left, uh, I, I have to... So I did send out a feeler today on Facebook um, uh, about that we would be do, recording this episode. Uh, what are your favorite quotes or moments? Um, my sister Janie said, something brought you here, Flynn Rider, fate, destiny. And he says, a horse. <laughs> I just had somebody add that since we've been he recording. He says, you broke my smolder. And then she says, I always love the part when she's trying to hide Flynn in the closet. Crack up. And I have to agree. <laughs> that is There's some great physical so comedy So funny. Right so, yeah. so funny. Um, uh, Hava, my friend Hava says, Flynn is the only Disney character to ever question why everyone is singing. Um, <laughs> and then says, I'm sensing you're a little conflicted when she's... <laughs> She's like, I'm free. I'm the worst daughter in the world. <laughs> and then uh, she says, Flynn starts the movie with the outlandish wish for a castle, and he gets it in the. He gets it by the end. The boat song makes me cry every time. Why is he smiling? And please don't freak out. I'm not freaking out. You are freaking out. No, I'm just very interested in your hair and the magical <laughs> qualities it possesses. How long has he been doing that exactly? And finally, uh, Jessica. My friend Jessica says, ruffians and thugs are my favorite. I've got a dream. Also, frying pans, who knew? So thank you to Janie, Hava, and Jessica for uh, participating in our little thing. So, Oh, just uh, real quick, uh, you reading that off reminded me that we had said something where uh, Flynn had said, well, you know, if you find your dream, you, you just got to choose oh, yeah. a new one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and at the end, they both say, like, you were my new dream. Uh, yes. That, I like you know, that. Flynn's no longer all about money. She's no longer about the lights. They're about the connection that they formed. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah. Any other characters that you want to mention? Oh, we talked about Maximus. I'm Flynn is just, he is, he's really great from start to finish. Um, I think that they find a good balance with him between, uh, sort of silly and cool. And, um, anyway, I really, really like Flynn and I love Maximus and Pascal is, um, I feel like he's always funnier than I remember him being. Like he never stands out in my mind. Like, oh, I love Pascal. But as I'm watching the film, I'm like, you know what? He's got some. He's got some good moments. So. Yes. All right. Well, I think this has been a pretty long one. Any final thoughts? No, I think our I think our podcast about Tangled is about as long as Tangled. Is. <laughs> All right. So. Well, I guess that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. And remember, you can subscribe to the protagonist in iTunes. And we would also encourage you to please leave a review there if you like what you hear. And you can find complete show notes for this episode and a list of all of our previous shows at protagonistpodcast.com. And if you have suggestions of things you would like to hear us talk about or comments about 
this episode or any previous episode, uh, if you have your own list of uh, romantic figures, uh, anything that any feedback you want to give us, please send us an email at feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. Pretty soon here we're planning on doing a mailbag episode, so any comments would be appreciated. Any questions you have for Todd uh, or myself or um, any anything that you've thought of as we've been talking about these, we would appreciate the feedback. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We are at protagonist pod, and each of us are also on Twitter. There is at Todd Mac and at Jay Dorowski and our at Todd K Mac. Oh, uh, sorry, I misread That's that. Right. At at Todd K Mac, at Jay Dorowski, and our producer Andrew is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And you can also check out our Facebook group called Protagonist Podcast Group. And uh, we appreciate any feedback that we can get. So thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and another great story. So long. So long. Um, you know, Flynn got stabbed and she just looked at me and she goes, you know why I don't like this one as much as Frozen? And I said, why, Lizzie? And she goes, this one makes my eyes leak water.